you pray with me this morning? Lord, there is something about your name. We know that the name of Jesus, one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that you are Lord. We look around in our world today and we didn't know the truth of your word. We might wonder if that's ever going to happen. Because we see a world that is in confusion and chaos and many people who would say they are haters of Jesus. But we know there's something about that name. There's something about that person. There's something about the power of Jesus Christ. So Lord, I, I pray today that you would show up in this service. I sense that your spirit is already here. And I pray that you would speak to our hearts today. You'd speak to my heart today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Good morning. Great to see you. I want to say thank you so much for uh, braving Snowmageddon 2021 and uh, making it to church. I know some of you had to shovel your driveway, so thank you for doing that. And uh, you made it here successfully. We're glad you're here. For those of you that are watching, that's all right. You just... Keep those little bedroom slippers on and drink that cup of coffee and enjoy us right there in the comfort of your, your home. We are glad that you're here. Uh, if you've got your Bible, open up, if you would, to Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8. We're continuing our study in the book of Mark. And I hope that you uh, have been reading along during the week uh, and uh, keeping tra- track and keeping up and uh, seeing what Mark has to say. Mark is a, a, just has some wonderful things to tell us about. Jesus, about the life of Jesus, uh, the miracles of Jesus, uh, the power of Jesus. And one of the things that I like about the book of Mark is it's encouraging to me because there's many times, and we're going to look at one of those times this morning, where the disciples don't quite understand what Jesus is trying to say, or really at this point, who he really is. They're still confused. And I was thinking last night as I was rereading this, that that's encouraging for me because if, if the guys who actually walked with Jesus in the flesh and saw him feed thousands of people and work tons of miracles and they're still kind of trying to figure out who this guy is, then there's, there's hope for me. There's hope for me. So we're going to look at just a couple of verses in Mark chapter 8 and you'll be looking at a different passage this morning. And uh, next week, we'll be in Mark chapter 9. Yeah, yeah, the very next chapter. That's good. Mark chapter 8. So let's look at it together, starting with verse 27. Uh, Verse 27. Jesus went out along with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. And on the way, he questioned his disciples, saying to them, Who do people say that I am? All right, let's stop right there. You guys know me by now. I like to stop along the way. Jesus is walking with his disciples, having probably all kinds of conversations, and he stops them and he says to them, who do people say that I am? I want us to think about that just a little bit this morning before we continue to read this story and ask ourselves the question, who do people say that Jesus is? Out in the world, there are a lot of opinions about who Jesus is. Uh, I'm not much on uh, 
Twitter and some of these social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram is about all I can handle. I know there's Snapchat and MyFace and MySpace and YourSpace. No, that's a long time ago, some of you that know the MySpace. But there's all these social media platforms, and I was just kind of scanning on Twitter a couple of days ago. I was trying to find it this morning to read some of the comments to you uh, that people are saying about Jesus and There's a lot of different opinions in our world about who Jesus is. Just like there was 2,000 years ago when Jesus was walking the earth. None of this is new, by the way. I know we panic a little bit when we see what happens in society, when people make certain comments about Jesus, or they kind of tell you who they think Jesus is. That was going on when Jesus was walking on the planet. So none of this should take us by surprise. And there are a lot of different opinions in the world about who Jesus is. Let me give you some of them, and some of them you'll probably know. We won't get to all of them because there's a lot of opinions. As a friend of mine once said, if you've got a belly button, you've got an opinion. It may be more. More opinions, not more belly buttons. All right. But there are a lot of different beliefs and opinions in the world about who Jesus is. Some people would say Jesus is just a great teacher. He's a great teacher. I'll ask people from time to time, uh, when I'm traveling, not so much traveling anymore, but I would ask people, so what do you think about Jesus? Well, he's, man, he's a great teacher. I mean, you know, he said things like, love your enemies, and, and of all the things that we should be doing, we should love our neighbors as ourselves, and, and I, I, I like that. That's, that's good teaching. That's good teaching. He was a good teacher. Some people would say that Jesus is one of the many ways for us to reach the other side, cross the river, go to heaven, paradise, another world. All kinds of different things that people would say. He's just, he's just one of the ways. Some people say, well, Jesus is merely a religious figure. He's just a religious figure. Historically, he was true. He probably lived. Probably not really the son of God. Probably didn't raise from the dead. There's, the disciples probably came and stole his body. We'll be talking about that later in the book of Mark in just a few weeks. But some people say he's just a good religious leader. So there are a lot of opinions. There are even some people on this planet who would say of Jesus, he is my arch enemy. They may not verbally say that in our culture, but by their actions, by the things that they do, maybe by their policies, maybe by their procedures, They're basically saying, I am totally against anything that Jesus stands for. So there's a lot of different opinions about Jesus. So for Jesus to stop and ask the disciples, it's almost as if, I'm kind of on the stage this morning, but it's almost as if Jesus kind of comes off the world stage for a minute and he points to where maybe the spotlight would be shining and he puts his arm around the disciples and he says to them, who do those people say I am? Who does the world say that I am? And they chime in, interestingly enough, with some answers. Because here's what they say in verse 28. They told him, some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're John the Baptist. Let's stop right there. What do we know about John the Baptist? John the Baptist, great Bible character. A great figure. A real person who lived on this planet that the Bible tells us was the forerunner of Jesus Christ himself who came preaching, make way. Who was the one who said, 
the one who is coming, I am not worthy to bend down and, and tie his sandals. I baptize in water, but there is one coming who's going to baptize with the Spirit. This is John the Baptist. But what do we know about John the Baptist by this time in history? If you know your Bible history and you look back through the book of Mark, we know in early Mark, John the Baptist prepared the way for Jesus. But we know by this time, I see some of you kind of doing this. Does that mean my time is up? No. That means you know what happened. John the Baptist was beheaded. You remember the story. If you don't, let me tell you real quickly. There was this great dance. And Herodias, which is a wonderful lady's name if you're thinking about having a baby and you have a little girl, Herodias, that's a great name, right? Herodias and the king, they had this great ball, they had this great party and there was some great dancing and all this entertainment was going on. And her daughter did this, apparently this wonderful dance. And so she said, I tell you what, this is, this is a, a, amazing what you've done. The king was even impressed with this dance. And he made the mistake of saying, your dance is so great. Go and I will give you anything that you ask. Up to half of my kingdom. And her mom said to her, here's what I want you to go tell the king to ask for. I want you to go tell the king to ask for John the Baptist's head on a platter. And so she did. And so the king, not wanting to lose face, so to speak, in front of the dignitaries that were at the ball, had to go sin for John the Baptist and had him beheaded. Now, John the Baptist is a great person, so when Jesus asked the disciples, who do people say that I am, for some of them to say, well, you remind me of John the Baptist, that's not necessarily a bad thing, because John the Baptist was a wonderful person, and again, the forerunner of Christ. I don't know if you've ever had this happen. You know, oftentimes in our world... We, we take something that we don't know or understand and we compare it to something that we do know. You know what I'm saying? So, for example, I remember the first time as a, as a preteen, I had not yet uh, dove into eating seafood. I don't know what it was about it. I just wasn't much of a seafood person. My dad would try to get me to go eat seafood. We'd go trout fishing occasionally. And, uh, and I said, Dad, okay, tell me, tell me this. All right, if I journey into eating Nemo, now that you've fried up Nemo in the pan here, if I journey into that, what, what does fish taste like? And what would he say? Chicken. How'd you know? How would you know? It tastes like chicken. It tastes like chicken. I had a friend of mine, and a lot of what I'm going to share to you today, he's given me some ideas for some of the things I'll share with you today. A friend of mine I used to travel with for many years, his name was Robert Shaw. He lived in Gastonia, North Carolina. And in Gastonia, they had this uh, chicken fingers place, but they also served alligator. And every time I would go to Gastonia, he'd say, come with me. We're going to go to an appropriately named place, Gators. That's where we're going to go. We're going to go to Gators. I was like, fantastic. Let's go to Gators. I said, Robert Shaw, what does alligator taste like? And he would say, yes. He threw in a little adjective in there. Stringy chicken is what he would say. Stringy chicken. He had a friend of his that was uh, in the military that would fly over certain areas of the world in perfectly good airplanes, and they would jump out of those airplanes for no apparent reason with a parachute, and they would 
land in this uh, territory, very little civilization, and their goal, their, their job, their purpose was once they landed, they would have to find, kill, and eat a rattlesnake. And my friend Robert would ask this young man when he would come back from those journeys, did it, did you, were you successful? He would say, sure, I was successful. He would say, pray tell, what does rattlesnake taste like? And he would say, chicken. Now, I don't know about you, but if I want to eat chicken, they make this thing called chicken. I don't need a substitute. If I want chicken, I'll eat chicken, all right? I'm in the Neyland Brown School of Bojangles. I mean, let's go get some chicken if we want chicken. But what these people are doing is they're trying to compare Jesus, who is somebody that they really don't know and they don't understand, to something that they do understand. And so the disciples say, some people say you're John the Baptist. Some people say Elijah. Elijah, one of my great stories in the Bible that you read in the book of Kings. I love this. Elijah, mighty prophet of God, goes up against all the false prophets of Baal. You've got to read this story if you don't know the story. He goes up against the false prophets of Baal and they start taunting him, saying, no, we serve the one true God. You don't serve the one true God. And he says, all right, we're going to find out who serves the one true, true God. We're going to have a contest. You build your altar, I'll build my altar. We're going to call fire down from heaven on God, and we'll see who shows up first. So they build their altar. Elijah builds his altar. And he says, all right, you get to go first. You start calling on your God. They start calling on their God. Nothing happens. They start dancing around. Nothing happens. They start cutting themselves, trying to get their God's attention. Nothing happens. Elijah starts taunting them. Where's your God? Is he asleep? Maybe your God's on vacation. Yell louder. So they start yelling louder. Nothing happens. He starts taunting taunting them some more. He even says to them, check it out. You're going to think I'm making this up. He even says to them, maybe your God's in the restroom. Check it out. I'm not making this up. They finally give up and realize their God's not showing up. And Elijah says, okay, now we're going to call on the one true God. But before we do, Just so you'll know, this is not me. With some pyrotechnics and a little bit of magic, I want you to go down and I want you to fill up all these pots with water and I want you to douse this altar. So they do. He says, I want you to go down there and get water and do it again. So they do. He says, I want you to go down there and do it again. So they do. So much water that the altar is covered, the wood, the sacrifice is all wet. There's a trench around this sacrifice that's all wet. The rocks are soaking wet. And he calls out and says, oh God, the Lord thy God, the one true God, please come down. And fire comes down from heaven, burns up everything, the altar, the wood, the rocks, everything. Leaves this burned spot. Wow, for people to say of Jesus, he reminds me of Elijah. That's awesome. Oh, that people would say that of me. Compare me to somebody like that. That's amazing. That's a great comparison. Jesus wasn't Elijah. And then they say, some others even say, Some translations, some of the other gospels say that they also chimed in and said, some say you're even, they even remind you of Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Jeremiah, the most quoted prophet of Jesus. Full book of the Bible with great wisdom from Jeremiah Jeremiah that we have. A lot of great comparisons that we have. 
So the world, even in that day, was comparing Jesus to what they know. And the world today is comparing Jesus to what they know. And friends, I have to tell you that a lot of times the comparisons of what they know and the way they come up with their definition of who they think Jesus is is us. When I read some of the things this week on social media, people who obviously weren't Christians describing us in ways like they know what we think and believe, that I'm reading what they're saying going, this has nothing to do with the Bible, this is totally contrary to the Bible, and yet that's their perception of who Jesus is. I'm not sure what Jesus was trying to get at with the disciples, but that's the first question that he asked them is, who do, you, who do these people out here say that I am? So he's got the spotlight kind of on the world, as if, as if the spotlight was up here on the stage and it was being shown on you. Who does the world say that Jesus is? But then, interestingly enough, he turns the spotlight in a different direction. Because verse 29 says this, he continued by questioning them. If you study the original language, it's almost like a barrage of questions that Jesus is trying to get their attention, saying, who do people say that I am? What are you hearing? What are people saying about me? How are they describing me? And after that barrage of questions, he turns around, and the spotlight kind of shines on them, and he says, but what do you say? Who do you say that I am? My friends, today, that really is the... $64 million question. Who do we say Jesus is? The young people were talking about this 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 weekend. Who do we say people to, to people? How do they interpret from our lives? Who do we say Jesus is? Because if we live a life that's holy, like Psalm 1 talks about that they studied, and is blessed in a life in pursuit of God, then people will look at us. And they will come up with their conception of Christianity. But if we live a life that's totally opposed to God, then they will also come up with their conception or misconception of Christianity based on us. You know, it's been said before that the the worst thing about, uh, the most uh, thing that confuses people about the world and the worst thing that keeps people out of the church sometimes is Christians. Tears my heart up. Trust me, I'm not perfect. You guys have figured that out probably day one. I'm striving to live for Jesus. You see, even though my back is cracking like that, I'm still striving. And I mess up. But I'm striving to live a life pleasing to Jesus. I was sitting this week talking to a 20-year-old, young 20-year-old, 22-year-old. He's pretty much washed his hands of the church. It breaks my heart. Because I just said, describe for me 
your thoughts. Fill me in here. And he said to me, I feel like I get more acceptance at the bar than I do at the church. And I can saddle up, so to speak, to the bar. And in a matter of moments, I don't even know this person beside me, but within a matter of moments, I know their name, their spouse's name, their kid's name, what's going on in their world. And they totally accept me. And I accept them. But I walk into, or walked past tense, into the church. And I immediately feel like I got to be fine because everybody's fine. And I'm not fine. And I know I'm not fine. And I know enough about real life to know they're not fine, but they say they're fine. So they act like they're hypocrites. And I'm the only one really coming in wanting to have an honest engagement with the creator of the world. And if I can't find it here, I'm going back to the bar. If you're a child of God this morning and that doesn't bother you, you need to check your pulse. Because it bothers me. I can't wave a magic wand and fix it. I know not every church is that way. I believe this church is an exception to that rule. And I told this person that and invited them to come visit. See, there's a world out there, I think what Jesus is trying to say, there is a world out there hurting, dealing with a myriad, a plethora, a whole lot of issues. And they need to know really who Jesus is. They don't want or need our plastic Jesus. They don't need our counterfeit Jesus. They don't need the Sunday Jesus that we pick up and we bring into church with us and we go home and we put on the shelf and we don't pick up again till Sunday. They don't need that Jesus. Church, I don't need that Jesus. I don't want that Jesus. That Jesus will do nothing for me to transform my heart and my life. So you're kind of passionate this morning. I I, I am because I hear that weekly from somebody weekly almost daily but for sure weekly from somebody who is basing their perception and i know that it's wrong you may be going well that's not true they're wrong they're 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 that's a misconception their perception is off they're deceived yes 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 and yes but how do we change it i think we change it the way jesus Shows us here because he asked and continued to ask and said to them, Who do you say that I am? And I think what happened when you read again the text in the original language where he's continuing to ask them, I think it's like what happens maybe in your small group. When the small group teacher, small group leader says, What do you guys think? And there's crickets. I want to answer, but I don't know what to say. I'll say Jesus. Whatever the question is, I'll say Jesus, and it'll be right, because Jesus is always the right answer. Reminds me of the story. You've heard it probably the little boy in Sunday school class. Sunday school teacher said, all right, we're going to get started, but i got a question for you. What kind of animal eats nuts? 
Little boy knew he wanted to say squirrel so bad, squirrel so bad, but he just thought, I'm in church. That can't be the right answer. That can't be the right answer. It's got to be Jesus. It's got to be Jesus. So he finally said, Jesus. And the teacher goes, amen, that's right, Jesus. Yes, Jesus made the squirrel, and the squirrel likes nuts, so yes, the answer is Jesus. I think Jesus is asking this question, and finally somebody in the group who normally is the one who put his foot in his mouth, and he gets a hard time from us on this side of history. But at least he spoke up. There's a whole sermon right there. Because most of the church is silent right now. I'd rather speak up, and even if the answer is squirrel, I'd rather speak up and say Jesus, because somebody needs to hear that name. Even if I'm answering the wrong question. It's good to answer the right questions too though, by the way. So Peter answers and says to him, Thou art the Christ. Wow. Wow. Friend, can I ask you a question this morning? Who do you say Jesus is? Who do you say Jesus is? Not just verbally, but by your actions. Last story and we'll, we'll close. I mentioned to you my friend Robert Shaw a long time ago. Oh my gosh, a long time ago. Probably 20 years ago. I was traveling doing a itinerant ministry and I would travel with him. And he would preach and I would lead worship at different youth conferences around the country. And one of the places it seemed like we would wind up almost every year is with a dear pastor friend who's still pastoring. His name is Kevin Moen uh, in Virginia. King William, Virginia. And in that community at the time, they had one high school. And what was so interesting was the high school, uh, you can tell that we've progressed by what I'm getting ready to say, but the high school would welcome us, Robert and myself, to come over on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we would do like a Sunday to Wednesday youth kind of conference, youth crusade. And the school would invite us to come in on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday for a one-hour assembly. Share whatever we wanted to share. Say whatever we wanted to say. And then invite the students at the end of the session at the assembly at school to come across the street where the church was for the service that night. And we went there probably five or six years. Phenomenal. Saw, saw movements of God I've, I've, in some respects I haven't seen since then. Dozens and dozens and hundreds of kids coming to Christ nightly at the church services. Seeing some kids who would walk in all in black uh, as they did when I was growing up. And the goth look and basically say to you, I hate Jesus. He's my worst enemy. And by the end of the week, be at the front on their hands and knees. Amazing. But one of the fun things that we did the first year that we went is we would go into the schools and we would get to know the students and we would sit down with them at the lunch table. And even then, I don't know what they have now. For I know you guys are virtual, some of you, so you maybe haven't got back to the classroom. Maybe one of the things that you miss is that square piece of pizza and the milk carton. I don't know what happened. There was also a season when I was in school where they had milk in a bag. That's just, no, 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 no. That's just ridiculous. Milk in a bag. Don't do that. 
we would go to this school across the street and we would do some assemblies. We would go into the lunchroom and we would sit down and we would have fun with some of these uh, middle school and high school uh, students. Some, some of them, uh, a lot of them were the, were the ladies because we would sit down and normally we would spread out and do at different tables and they would begin to ask us because we didn't identify ourselves. They would say, who are you? And so we just determined the first year we're going to have fun. When we go in, we're just going to have fun. We're going to just make up something. So I would like to go in, and, and he would too, and go in, and they would say, who are you? And I would just say, well, a little ashamed. I hate to tell you this, but I've got to be honest with you. I'm seventh. Now, I was younger then, okay? I, I'm a seventh-year senior. <laughs> I've come from just across the state in Virginia. They have sent me here. And I would... We can start getting emotional with them. I'll just say, they've sent me here just hoping this is the year I'll finally graduate. <laughs> and some of those girls would go, really? <laughs> so we would have a good time. After we ha- would have fun with them, though, we would, we would start asking them some questions. And we would say, tell me about some of your other students, who, your friends here. Who, who do they say Jesus is? And we'd get a lot of interesting answers. And then we'd say, who do you say Jesus is? And sometimes they'd go, Jesus is my Lord, he's my Savior. I go to Alba Church, I gave my life to Christ when I was, you know, 12, whatever. Some of them would go, no, I don't know Jesus. They would be honest. They would be 100% honest. I loved it. It was great. But then we would change the question up a little bit, especially for those who said they were Christians. I don't know that it's better than the question Jesus is asking here. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying we change it up a little bit. And here's the question that we would ask. After we would sit at the table and find out some of those that were Christians. Debbie, for example, would say, yeah, I'm a a Christian, blah, 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 blah. I came to Christ whenever. She would get up, take her tray maybe, and go take it back to dump the trash. And as soon as she would walk off, I would look at the rest of the friends that she sat with and I would say, who does Debbie say, not verbally, but who does Debbie say Jesus is? I think maybe in some respects that's a little bit harder question. Because if you ask me who Jesus is, Maybe this is true of you. If you ask me who Jesus is, I can give you the Sunday school answer. Because I've been a Christian a long time. Grew up in church. I think that's great. Nothing against it. But it can become almost too easy. The church family, if you really want to know who I say Jesus is, go ask some people that know me. Ask my wife. Ask my kids. Ask my mom and dad. If I was still in high school or college, and you came up and you asked my friends, who, who's G, who does Jack say Jesus is? In high school, some of them would have said, Jesus? Does he know Jesus? Let me tell you about him. You need to go talk to him about Jesus. See, the world out there is watching us. 
It's not enough. I wish it was, but it's not enough to quote Scripture, hand them the book, say this is the way, all that's true. Yes, this is the, the way, the truth, and the life. He is. Yes, that's true. All that is true. That is not enough in 2021. I don't know if it's ever been enough, to be honest, but it's not enough now. They want to see who you say Jesus is. By the way, you and I live. Not just by what we say. See, that's part of the problem, is they've heard us say a lot of churchy, Christian-y, Jesus-y things inside this bubble. But when we go out there, they see a lot of things that are contrary to what we say in here. So anyone with intellect or logic starts to go, hmm, hmm, this does not make sense. So who do you say Jesus is is a great question, but who do people say that you say Jesus is? Will you pray with me this morning? Lord, I have a long way to go, Lord. There is a lot in me that has not been transformed yet by you. And if there's any kind of positive pressure, peer pressure, whatever you want to call it, it should be, God, that there is a world of people watching those of us who say we follow Jesus. And the reality is a lot of people in our world know the teachings of Jesus better than we do. And they see our habits and our lifestyle and our... Whatever it is, God, our greed, our worry, whatever the things are in our lives that we all have, including me, that are contrary to you, and it confuses them. I know, God, there's only one person we can point them to, and that is you. Because we're going to make mistakes. But that is not an excuse, God, to not be striving to be the kind of person that you call us to be. Lord, I pray during our time of invitation today, Lord, would you move on our hearts? God, could we just do business with you? I know in this season it's difficult. We're not in our usual space. Our altar's a little bit different. But nonetheless, God, you're here. And so that's what makes this place special right now in this moment. So I pray you'd speak to our hearts. And while you're praying, church family, I don't know what God would say to you this morning. But I pray that you and I would respond in obedience. I'll be here at the front. I'm going to ask Keith to come join me. If you need to make some kind of decision or commitment, or you just want to come and get some of these empty chairs and kneel and pray. If you're a student this weekend and you have made some kind of commitment to the Lord and you want to talk with Heath or myself, Whatever you need to do this morning, let the Lord have his way in your heart and in your life. Would you do that? Would you stand with me? We're going to sing this invitation hymn. Let's stand and sing together. And you respond as the Lord leads you this morning. If you've been visiting, you want to know more about how to join our church, I'm happy to share that with you too if you want to come while we sing this song of invitation.
Amen. Would you have a seat for just about 60 seconds? I just want to mention a couple of announcements. If you are one of our small group or Sunday school teachers, we're going to meet right after your small group, just for about 15 minutes uh, together. And I think we're going to meet in the clubhouse, which is just kind of behind that wall in the children's area. Uh, that room will be available to kind of talk about what's coming up in the future. So if you're a small group leader, please come join us. Next uh, Sunday is Valentine's Day. Okay, Lisa, I reminded them. That's all I can do. It's up to the guys now. I, I, I reminded them. Uh, Valentine's Day, we will not have evening services tonight or next, uh, next Sunday night. So this afternoon is a perfect time, guys, to go get that Valentine gift. And somebody told me to say $100. I don't know what that means, but I, I did. I did. Uh, and next Sunday, right after our morning worship, if you uh, are a young at heart person, uh, or consider yourself a senior adult or young at heart, we are going to meet in the, and I'll remind you next Sunday, but we're going to meet in the sanctuary uh, to share with you just some, some prayer requests and vision for our student ministry. Uh, students, thank you for this weekend. Thank you for being here. Uh, I love you. Uh, as one of your pastors, I echo everything that Heath said. Uh, you, you guys are the leaders of today. If you don't step up, Crossroads Baptist Church won't be here in 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. That doesn't let us who are older off the hook and say we got to sit down and retire, okay? Until you, until you die, you have a job in the kingdom of God, all right? So, uh, but I'm so grateful for our young people and all those who helped serve. One last thing, just real quick, that some of you have asked about. Uh, in uh, two weeks, I think it is, on Sunday nights for our Disciple Life sessions for about four weeks, we're going to meet together down here. And uh, I mentioned in the message that the right answer to the question is Jesus. That is true. But church, we've got to start giving some biblical answers to the questions that the world is asking. If we don't give truthful biblical answers to the questions the world is asking, where are they going to keep going? As the theologian Willie Nelson said, they're going to look for love in all the wrong places. So we want them to make sure they're looking in the Word of God. And so that first uh, Sunday night, February the 21st, we're going to be answering some tough questions, I know. And the first one is, does God love homosexuals? You might think you know the answer. You need to come. Because we're going to look and see what God's Word is. Not what Jack has to say. Not what anybody here has to say. What's God's Word have to say? And so I hope you'll come and join us. And we'll be talking about some other things uh, that night. So, all right. Anything I'm forgetting? Yes, sir. Yes, thank you, thank you. Care ministry, we have a lot of our folks, obviously, uh, because of the pandemic, and, uh, and it, some of them are even shut-ins who are not back yet. We miss those people. They're friends. We miss them. I talked to several of them this week, and they're watching online, and that's great. But we have decided to do something a little extra for them. So we're starting a care ministry. We've got some dear ladies who are kind of helping that. I think uh, Susan and Renell and... Some other ladies have jumped in there, Connie. So there is a little basket back here as you leave. If you'll just grab a slip, they'll kind of stand back there and help you know what to do. Uh, grab a little slip, and we're going to kind of give you an assignment, if you will, for somebody to reach out to in the, in the coming weeks. All right? We want to let them know that they are they're loved and uh, not forgotten. And speaking of picking up some stuff, there's also, now that it's February, there's some Christmas cards still back there. Alright, so if you had not gotten your Christmas card, happy Valentine's Day. You can call it a Valentine's card and pick one up. And there's also some calendars back on our new bulletin board by the Welcome Center that Kayla, I'm so grateful for her, put together so you'll know what's coming up for the next three, four 
uh, five months. All right. One last thing, and we're going to pray. Corey, come on up here. Corey, as some of you know, Corey and Emily have joined our church recently, and uh, he is one day wanting to be uh, a pastor, I think, right, on, on staff somewhere. And so if you see him around, please introduce yourself to he and Emily. Uh, he's been helping with the student ministry. He's probably going to dive into the children's ministry. Uh, he may preach on a Sunday. He shared last Sunday night uh, with uh, our Old Testament hero study. I think that was last Sunday, wasn't it? And so we want to pour into him. Oh, that I would have had the privilege to be him and learn about ministry in a church like this. Wow. We've got a big responsibility. And so, and he does too. You have a big responsibility too. But we're going to do it together. So if you would, uh, would you just close us? We'll pray and then we'll be dismissed. I don't think this is six feet, but it's all right. <laughs> it's, not, it's not, but I have my shield up. All right. And my sword. <laughs> Let's pray, y'all. Dear Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for just bringing us together, Lord, regardless of the weather. Um, and just thank you for this time that we got to just fellowship and just dive into your word, God. And I pray as the week goes on that you just continue to sanctify us, to turn us more like you. And so when people look at us, they see you, God, um, and that you work with us. Uh, through the tough times and those ones that are watching online Lord, I continue to pray for them um, that you just to love on them and just show them grace and and love and just know that they're um, with you Lord and I pray this all in your name amen